Um, I guess I'll uh, start with saying that Erica, who is the girl. This is Aaron from Ohio talking about his girlfriend, Erica. She, um, she made it clear that she liked me long before we ever started dating at all. I was working at Kroger and that's when she got hired in. Kroger is a chain of supermarkets that stretches across the Midwestern United States and down into the South. As soon as I met her, she came right up to me and was like, hey, you're really cute. And I was like, well, thank you. And then- um, Wow, I love when girls do that. Yeah. Very yeah, rare, she was, man. She was not afraid to say what was on her mind oh. and I, I really admired that. So Erica was obviously an outspoken, confident woman. This was flattering for sure, but things were complicated for Aaron. He was already in a relationship. Yeah, at the time I actually had a long distance girlfriend. She lived nearby at first, but then moved out to uh, Phoenix. And we still tried to make the best of it. And I had to tell Erica, I was like, I'm sorry, but I'm not available at the moment. Erica was disappointed for sure, but she didn't give up on Aaron. A few months later, Aaron was single and Erica, well, Erica did something pretty extraordinary. There's some amazing things up ahead in Aaron's story, heartwarming things, wonderful moments of levity and kindness. But you know how the podcast works. There's also something incredibly tragic up ahead too. If you are a fan of the 2013 release, The Last of Us, then you are not going to want to miss today's episode. Welcome to Heavily Pixelated. Hey, I'm glad you're here. Heavily Pixelated is a show that attempts to describe all the positive things that games do for us. I'm Scott C. Jones. Now, before we get back to the story of Aaron and Erica, today's episode is kind of special. Aaron used to work at Kroger, but he's now a professional truck driver based in Ohio, close to Toledo. Much of the conversation that you're about to hear took place while Aaron was driving, hands-free, with his headset on. I know there are truck drivers all over the world, but I've always especially envied the truck drivers in the U.S. Staring out the windshield every day, looking at the horizon certainly seemed like a better way to spend your days than sitting at a desk. They think and they ponder and they're alone with their thoughts. They communicate via CB radios that use a secret language. They smoke cigarettes, they eat lousy food in lonely diners. They listen to books on tape. About 90% of the conversation you are about to hear takes place while Aaron's driving a 40-ton 18-wheeler down the highway of Ohio, the heartland of the U.S. Now, back to the story of Aaron and Erica. Aaron is rinsing off heads of lettuce in one of the back rooms at Kroger. Erica works as a supervisor in the Kroger, and so she is touring the store, and she comes back and checks on Aaron. When I fully gave in to her, her charm, I was actually at work, and uh, I was actually working in uh, produce. Uh, I told her I would, I would see her after work, 
and I would, I would head over to her house to hang out with her. And she was standing in front of me and she just said, you should kiss me right here. And I was like, at work? Like that's, that's a little odd. I'm, we're working. And, uh, she was like, no, but I want you to kiss me. And that's, that's kind of when I, I fell for her, truly fell for her. We got close very quickly and she ended up telling me the things that were on her mind. And that's when I first found out that she was suicidal. It was hard to hear and uh, it kind of scared me. I, I'm afraid I'm going to sound like a terrible person when I say this, but uh, when she told me that, it um, it kind of made me afraid to move things further with her because I, I didn't like not having control of a situation. And I feel like I wouldn't have had control in that. I did end up giving into it was still like you know I want to make you happy I want to keep those thoughts far from your head and uh, unfortunately I couldn't do that Uh, I remember the day that it happened um, we were actually at work together and she left work a few hours before me Mm -hmm. and things seemed fine up until like two hours before I got off work, she was texting me a lot and saying all these things. She's like, Aaron, I'm, I'm in pain. I need you. I need help. Uh, this had happened a few times before. And I would immediately jump to the, uh, like, you know, be there as soon as I could to help. And this one day, I don't know why, but it just made me mad because I uh, I had plans with friends already. And she was like, I, I, I just need you right now. And I was like, I'm sorry, but not this time. And uh, it wasn't a few hours after that. I think it was like four or five o'clock. Her mom called me and told me the news. And... I remember the last thing she texted me was, uh, I'll always be there. I'll always love you. And I said, don't you dare. And then I just never got anything back from that. (sighs) But yeah, I, I don't know. I, How long ago was this? This was in March of 2017. I'm so sorry, man. Yeah, I, I feel pretty sorry too, but you know, for different reasons. But the, you know, you know that, um, like, like it's not your fault. You know, she had. She had problems for sure. It sounds like there was a history of problems. Oh yeah, she uh, she told me if she ever was to, why she would, 
and she was very open about that. She always uh, told me that she missed her dad, who I guess died when she was really young. And, uh, you know, she never really let that go. Her mom remarried, and I don't think she was fully supportive of that. Yeah. And uh, she always just told me, like, one day I'm going to be with my dad again. And, and I just, as of now, I've, I've come to terms with it, and I just... I just feel like she wanted to see him sooner than, you know, we wanted her to. Is that the primary motivation for the the suicide or were were there other factors as well? That's my, that's what I think. And that's what her mom thought her, her family actually was like super good to me after all of it. Cause you know, like I would go over to their, to her house and like hang out with her and her family Mm -hmm. quite a bit. And after it happened, you know, immediately I thought this girl or this girl's family is going to resent me. They're going to think that I'm a terrible person because, I mean, that's what I was thinking. So why wouldn't everybody else? And no, they just welcomed me with open arms. But uh, but Aaron, why, why would you think you're a terrible person? You didn't do anything. I you feel like that's anything. why it's not your fault. It's not your well, fault. Though. I, I, I know that now, but at the time, you know, my mind went every wrong way it could. Yeah, it was, it was rough, especially since I was like the last person she was texting and talking to. I'm on a extremely bumpy road right now. Yeah. I've got a tanker truck in front of me that is going way too slow. Uh, but that's all right. I'm not in a hurry. Um, it's actually 30 degrees right now. We've got snow on the ground here, though the roads are pretty clear. We had a pretty bad snowfall on Saturday, and it's just now like starting to clear up. Um, she's actually, she was such a, I don't, how do I say it, like a people pleaser, you know? Yeah. At least to me, I, she really wanted to satisfy me, and I could tell that was her goal from the beginning anytime you know we were supposed to hang out she would ask me if i wanted to go see a movie and if it was like which movie did i want to see it was never she never made it about her yeah she always wanted to know what i was up to and the things i wanted to do so it seems like you were kind of at the center of her world a little bit and and she was reacting to you mostly Um, yeah yeah, like that. Yeah, and like that. That all, but that also is a strange, a different dynamic for a relationship, right? Like usually, it's about you know you do some things that she wants to do, and she does some things that you want to do. But it sounds like it's mostly one direction. Is that fair to uh, say? Yeah, I mean, I definitely tried to make the effort to know what she liked and stuff, and uh, you know, I tried. To help with that a little bit like yeah. uh i know she was she was really big into cosmetology she was going to cosmetology okay. school at the time yeah and she always wanted to like mess with my hair and stuff like that every now and then and yeah. she was giving me all these styling ideas like talking about dyeing my hair and stuff which i was never really into that sort of thing did you let her do it i i didn't actually uh my you hair can be was- honest with me aaron <laughs> I, uh, no, I actually, I honestly planned to, but yeah. 
gaps. Like, you know, things didn't happen. Yeah, she, would you uh, let her do anything to you? Like, would she cut your hair? Would Would you let her do stuff? One thing that she did like to do is she, I guess, gave me a manicure a couple times. She'd like, you know, like clean my nails up. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> she put this coating on them that made them shiny. I didn't like that too much. She wouldn't paint them a color or anything. She would just put this stuff on them that she said makes your nails like stronger and more yeah. durable. Protection. So, yeah. 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 So think that, but yeah, it was never anything too uh, too crazy. But that that like that like honestly like I would like it if my girlfriend would give me a manicure. Like you were like those those sound like good healthy things. You know, like it's yeah, like a nice moment for a person in a relationship to have someone who's willing to do something like that. Yeah, I was I was skeptical at first because I was like, oh god, she's gonna you know, make me all pretty and I want to, yeah. I want to be manly man. But yeah. when it, when we were doing it, it was, it was fun. I enjoyed myself. Mm-hmm. She was a giver without yeah. a doubt. She was always yeah. wanting to, you know, please me and do things like that. Aaron and Erica on their dates usually had dinner in one of the local restaurants around town. We would just, you know, go out to eat together. Uh, where would you guys go go eat together? Do you have a favorite place? The one place I can think of for sure is Olive Garden. We both loved Olive Garden. Okay. <laughs> what would you get at the Olive Garden? I always get chicken Alfredo. <laughs> and uh, and did she always have a regular thing that she would order too? Um, either a salad or spaghetti. Yeah. And so that was your kind of go-to place when you didn't really know where else you were going to go. You're like, let's go to Olive Garden. Because, of course, I would always have to be the one that chose. So I, I yeah. do love Olive Garden. So, you know, that was always my safe choice. Aaron, are you still there? Aaron. You still there? Yeah, I'm here. I lost you okay. for a second. Yeah, sorry. My phone started ringing. That's um, okay. Can um can I ask you like what did what did she do like what happened can you tell me? Um, I all I know is what her mom told me, and she said I think she well she definitely shot herself. Because uh, her stepdad was a uh, or is a cop. I don't think it was very hard for her to find a gun. You know, she was a 22-year-old girl. She didn't didn't have any trouble, uh, you know, if there was like a safe or something, she found a way into it. Yeah. And, yeah, I think she shot herself in a bathtub, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, man. I'm so sorry. The... Um it's just, uh, I, uh, you sound like a pretty happy guy yourself. Like I know this was really tough, but, um, I don't, you know, I don't know how familiar you are with this, but like I struggle with depression and I struggle with suicidal thoughts. Um, but I, I, the thing that I've come to learn is that being here is hard for everyone. Mm-hmm. like being like being alive is not easy like there's just 
there's a, there's a lot of challenge involved and it's a lot of work to stay here and, and to stay happy. You know, that's work that's worth doing and it's work you have to do. You can't just resign yourself. You can't just give up, you know? And so I like, you know, I know you know this now and I know I'm probably just repeating things that other people have said to you, but you know, like the res the responsibility for her life was really on her, you know, and, and, mm -hmm. you know, sure you could have responded and sure you could have gone and maybe made things better for that day, but this was, probably inevitable in this moment there's a line of dialogue from the ending of the last of us that comes to mind for me you can't save her even if you get her out of here then what you can't save her even if you get her out of here then what if she wasn't doing the work to bring herself back to to make herself whole to give herself the things that she needed you know that that's really that's not on you man that's on her um, yeah so I, I'm so sorry that you got caught in this. And I'm so sorry. I'm just sorry that you went through this. Um, yeah, I just feel protective of you. And I, I just don't want you to have any bad feelings anymore. Like, I just want you to be optimistic about the rest of your, your life. And it sounds like you are. And it sounds like you're doing work that you like doing at this point. And it sounds like there are, there are potentially some really good adventures in your future. You know, be open to those adventures and try to make those adventures happen. You know, yeah, I think you can do it. I hope so. Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful for the future without a doubt. Like you've been through something incredible. Like I don't, you know, the fact that you're on your feet and still moving forward, you know, I mean, you, you could have developed a really chronic drug problem or alcohol problem or depression. The fact that you're at work right now, like you're moving on with your life. That's what I'm trying to give you credit for is the fact that despite what the storm that you kind of went through, you're still here and you're still doing, you're still living and you're still feeling good about yourself and you're making choices for yourself. And, and I just, I just want to, I just wanted to celebrate that and celebrate you for just a second. And I just, I also want you to make that part of your days now. Like I think everybody needs a little self-care from time to time. You know, I, I try to take care of myself and I try to give myself a little pep talk and tell me, tell myself that I'm doing good things and that I'm making a difference in the world. But I, I don't think enough, especially men, do that for themselves. And the fact oh, yeah. that- without that you, a doubt. Yeah, the fact that you're you're taking care of yourself and doing things like giving yourself tattoos and like whatever, like just just I'm just really proud of you. I'm just really proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. It's really yeah. nice. Yeah, we got to take care of ourselves, man. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Was there a, a funeral or a service? Or oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. There was a funeral and it was very rough. It was it was hard to get through. Yeah. Um, I was surrounded by her family, which at the time I was terrified of because I really didn't know what was on their minds, you know, cousins and everything. Who knows what kind of stories they heard? Yeah. And uh, I got there and my mom actually went with me because I was so scared. I didn't want to go alone. Yeah. Um, but everyone in her family was just so kind and immediately came right up to me and was like, you know, this isn't your fault. You know, this isn't your fault. Yeah. Which was now that I think about it was very nice to hear. But at the time I was, I, you know, I didn't agree with any of them. I, 
felt like I was totally to blame yes. and I felt hopeless. And that's actually when The Last of Us came in. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you mean it just, that's when it was released around that time? No, 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 no. Uh, it's, it's been around. That's the crazy thing is that game was released probably in like 2012 or 2013. Oh, and wasn't till like, uh, you know, four years later. I, uh, I remember when the first game first came out, um, my friend had it and I went over to his house and I watched the last cutscene of the game, which okay. is, I mean, I don't, you've played it. I would Yeah, it's okay. It's don't it's worry about spoilers. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, his, uh, he finds out that Ellie could save the world potentially. The he that Aaron's referring to is the character Joel. But he doesn't want her to die. And I saw that and I was like, what a dick like the first thing i thought what a dick because you know he could save the world and he's being selfish right yes and then you know fast forward four years my friends like you never gave this game a shot you really should at the center of the last of us are two primary characters joel an older man in his 40s or maybe 50s with a beard and a preteen kid with freckles named ellie joel voiced by voice actor troy baker is brokenhearted and fed up. Joel's lost everything. He's lost his daughter, Sarah. He's lost his partner, Tess. And over the course of the game, he finds himself saddled reluctantly with an errand to deliver a child named Ellie, who may or may not be the salvation for all humanity. Joel is irritated and grouchy about the whole thing at first, but the two of them get to know each other. Joel and Ellie don't really want anything to do with each other, but to their surprise and to the player's surprise, the bond forms between the two of them. Here's a moment around the midpoint of the game where the two of them stumble upon an urban garden that's filled with ceramic gnomes. Hey, look. <laughs> gnomes. Yeah, those are gnomes. Man, I had an art book filled with these. I always thought they were super cute. <laughs> Not fairies, though. They creep me out. All right, man. Later, when Ellie finds out about Joel's daughter, Sarah, she offers her sympathies. I can't imagine someone you love like that. Losing everything that you know. I'm sorry, Joel. That's okay, Ellie. Actress Ashley Johnson does such an amazing job as Ellie. Very late in the game, with soldiers surrounding them, Joel gets wounded, and Ellie needs him to get to his feet and start walking. Man, here, lean on me. No. Well, can you walk? Yes. Then fucking walk. Ellie gets them both out of that bad situation, but Joel's injuries are far more serious than she originally thought. Joel collapses, he falls off of a horse, and Ellie panics. Joel? Joel? Joel, here. Oh, get up, get up, get up. You gotta tell me what to do. You gotta get up. Joel.
so I go and buy it. You know, I got the remastered version for PS4. Yep. And uh, I go through this incredible story to realize why he made that decision. Like, I can't believe I saw it from the, the end first and think, wow, this guy's a piece of shit for making this decision. And then, you know, you go the other full story and then you figure out why. And it's just, it amazed me. The controversial ending of The Last of Us is simply this. Joel, after delivering Ellie to the Fireflies, has a change of heart. Instead of leaving Ellie there to endure a procedure that will likely result in her death and subsequently save humankind, Joel barrels into the operating room and grabs Ellie, then makes his escape. The leader of the Fireflies confronts Joel in the parking garage. You can't save her. Even if you get her out of here, then what? How long before she's torn to pieces by a pack of clickers? That is, if she hasn't been raped and murdered first. It ain't for you to decide. It's what she'd want. And you know it. Look. You can still do the right thing here. She won't feel anything. After shooting, but not killing the Firefly's leader, Joel puts Ellie in the back seat of a car. Then he returns to the Firefly's leader, who's still suffering on the ground. Wait! Let me go! I gotta tell you. Please. I really thought Joel would be merciful here. You just come after her. You felt like you understood Joel's decision at the end once you went back and looked at the beginning. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Once I played through the game, then I was like, this makes sense. I would do the same thing. <laughs> I feel like this game did a lot for me, too. You know, I think it's done a lot for a lot of people. Make no mistake, The Last of Us is fucking grim and dark. But there's also something inherently buoyant in the experience of playing it, too. Ellie gives Joel hope. And Joel gives Ellie hope. These two hopeless and probably doomed characters keep finding reasons to go on living in one another. And that's what we have to do as humans. Keep helping each other. Keep smiling as much as we can. And keep getting through the days. In the game's final moments with Joel driving and with the anesthesia still wearing off in Ellie, Joel feeds Ellie a bunch of bullshit. Uh, what the hell am I wearing? Just take it easy. Drugs are still wearing off. What happened? There's some truth in what Joel says here, but it's mostly lies. Found the fireflies. That's true. Turns out there's a whole lot more like you, Ellie. That's a lie. People that are immune. There's dozens, actually. Lie. Ain't done a damn bit of good, neither. Lie. They've actually... They've stopped looking for a cure. Another lie. 
if you only watch the end of the game, then just like Aaron, you'll most definitely hate Joel. You see this adult lying to a child, but you don't know why. Hey, wait. When the two of them reach their destination, Ellie confronts Joel with the toughest <gasps> question of all. Swear now, to me. Swear to me that everything that you've said about the Fireflies is true. I swear. The span between Joel's last lie and Ellie's response of okay lasts 12 seconds. And what's going on in those 12 seconds, what Ellie's thinking, that's up to you to decide. I've thought a lot about this moment. I think anybody who's finished the game has thought a lot about this moment. I assumed that Joel would tell Ellie the truth here. Ellie, over the course of the game, in many ways, is Joel's equal. Telling her the truth is the ethical thing to do. But just because this is the ethical thing to do doesn't make it the right thing to do for Joel. Joel, like any human being, is a flawed character. His flaws are what make him real and more, more believable and beautiful, honestly. Generally speaking, humans want to do right by one another. And doing right by one another sometimes means doing unethical things. We sometimes tell each other lies the way a parent throws a blanket over a sleeping child. Our intentions are good, but we don't always do the right thing. Hello? 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 Neil? Yes, this is Neil. This is Neil Druckmann, writer and co-director of The Last of Us. It's such an honor, man. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I have um, my friend, I think Aaron and I are friends now. I have Aaron on the line here. Aaron is actually a truck driver. He's driving his truck right now. You can't really hear it. Um, we've been doing interviews for the last couple uh, couple of weeks, and we've been talking about The Last of Us and, and what the game did for him. Aaron, this is your story, and this is your moment. So, uh, Aaron, meet Neil. Neil, meet Aaron. How's it going, Neil? I'm a huge, huge fan. Oh, thanks, man. Nice to meet you, Aaron. Yeah, nice to meet you as well. Um, I just wanted where to... Are you right? You're driving a truck. Where, where right exactly now? are you? Um, I'm right outside of uh, Toledo, actually. Toledo, Ohio. Uh-huh. Yeah. Is that, is, that, is that your final destination? or? Um, I mostly just stay within the city, yeah. Okay. He doesn't but, carry um, anything really exotic, Neil, or, you know, like it's, it's just car no parts. No wild parrots. <laughs> no wild what? Wild parrots. No wild parrots. No, no wild parrots, sadly. Um, well, I guess, first of all, I want to say thank you for what you and your team does. Like, you guys are incredible with the stories that you're able to make. And I'm, I'm so appreciative of what you and your team do. Like, uh, just The Last of Us alone has helped me through like a really, really hard time. I uh, <clears throat> knew about The Last of Us when it first came out, and um, my my friend told me that it was such a great game, but for some reason, I never gave it the time, but then 
I had a uh, girlfriend that uh, unfortunately uh, really didn't want to stick around anymore. And uh, she took her own life. And that's when my friend told me, like, you have to play this game. And it was the most like cathartic thing I could have done in that time. It was so therapeutic and like to just sit there and experience Joel's Joel's adventure with Ellie. It was just exactly what I needed at that time. And I'm just really thankful for you and your team to have been able to make that and share that with us. Yeah, man. Uh, sorry to hear, I guess, sorry and kind of happy to hear like how you work through it. But, um, it's it's kind of incredible to hear stuff like that. No, very surreal, you know, because we're here making video games, and sometimes you don't think about the video games in that way. Even though I think we all, as developers, we love games and have been in similar situations of bouts of sadness or depression, or and just needed an escape. And I know I've had that in my life at several mm-hmm. where things have been really rough, and to hear that something we've worked so hard on has had that effect is um pretty incredible so thanks for sharing that of course thank you um neil are you conscious of the fact that that some gamers need these games at particular moments in their lives don't know how much we think about it when we're in the thick of it like because there's just so many tasks or like animation problems or story issues or yeah. production issues or trying to like mitigate crunch or who knows, like you're juggling so many things. It's just about kind of working on the game. Mm-hmm. It's like often when you step away from it and I've had this a few times where someone will come up and tell me a really personal story and how the game, and it's often surprising to me that the last of us, which is kind of like at times a very depressing story. <laughs> it really is. It's helped people work through depression. Um, yeah. And maybe that's, part of it is that uh, people don't necessarily always need something uplifting or light. Like they need to work through some heavy stuff. And I guess I, again, I've, I've had that as well where like I'll listen to some pretty sad songs when I'm trying to work yeah. through some things. So I guess over the years we've become a bit more aware of it, but that's more of an inspiration to just tell honest stories, tell characters are complex in the way that humans are complex. And I think that helps people relate to it more. There is, there's hope in Joel. There is, and, and Ellie gives him hope, and she inspires him, and, and they keep going despite the circumstances of, you know, that they are in. And I think that hope, like it is a grim game. The humans are worse than the monsters, and, but man, it never feels depressing because of that little glimmer of hope, you know? Yeah, and that definitely is a through line throughout the whole story. There are hints that, you know, Joel has thought about exiting and... Even at the end, when he's talking to Ellie, spoilers, but he's, his whole speech was like, you always just find something to fight for. That's how you survive in such a bleak reality. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a lot of it is us working through those same thoughts on, on our struggles. Aaron, this was a, tra- a traumatic event for him, and I, I think he didn't know what to do with, with his feelings or the, the different things he was feeling. And, and somehow I feel like, the Last of Us kind of served as a, a lens through which he could look at things a little differently. Would you say that's true, Aaron? Absolutely. I just want to say thank you so much for everything, and I'm really, really looking forward to playing part two uh, at the end of May, I think it is, right? Yes, it is end of May. All right.
Yeah. Uh, and, and Neil, it's really an honor to have, have you on the podcast. Aaron's not the only one. You help a lot of people, man. Yeah, I just want to state again, Aaron, again, sorry for your loss and, and your story. But um, whenever we hear these stories, like, we never take it for granted. This is the kind of fuel that, you know, drives us late at night when we're, like, struggling to, like, finish this thing um, is knowing the kind of reaction we get from our fans and how the stories can resonate with people in such a way. So, again, thank you for sharing. Of course. And, I mean, you guys deserve every bit of praise that you get. It's it's really amazing what you guys do. Yeah, it's, that's not true of every game developer out there, Neil, as you know. Uh, I, I'm just surprised you don't have a bigger ego than you do. Uh, you guys, <laughs> you guys I just hide it really well. It's, it's good to hear your voice, my friend. Uh, all Best of luck with with, with the, the, the sequel and best of luck with everything else you're working on. And uh, hopefully I'll see you soon. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Special thanks to Aaron Sorter for bravely sharing his story on this week's episode of Heavily Pixelated. Thank you, Aaron. You can follow Aaron on Twitter. He is at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N underscore S-O-R-T-O-R. Suicide is a very serious problem all over the world. If you need help or if you know someone who needs help or if you'd like to donate, Aaron wants you to go to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. That's the AFSP.org to find out more. Big thanks also to Neil Druckmann. The Last of Us 2 will be out in May of 2020. Go to NaughtyDog.com for more information. Thanks also to the incomparable Arnie Meyer, Community Director at Naughty Dog. Thanks, buddy. Some new patrons have joined Heavily Pixelated, including Dr. Ali Zentner. Hi, Ali! I don't know why I did that in such a high voice. Uh, Michael Henry, SNYC Schwartz, Eve Krobachet from TakeThis.org. Very sweet of you, Eve. And finally, Jake O. You are all sincerely making the world a better place. As always, there are plenty of bonus materials for Patreon subscribers. Go to patreon.com backslash heavily pixelated for more information. Music tracks in today's episode include Upbeat by John Luke Hefferton, Building Time Lapse and Bittersweet from the Great Pottington Bear, Bio Unit from Neltier Records, and finally Squeaky Wings from Lemon Yellow Haze. All tracks can be found at the Free Music Archive, freemusicarchive.org. Sarah Deakins is the producer of Heavily Pixelated. Stephen Nikolic is the technical producer and audio designer. Until next time, I'm Scott C. Jones. Take care of yourself, and I'll see you then. Are you still there, buddy? Yeah, sorry. A guy was in my way, so okay. <laughs> I had to kind of finagle my way around him. Yeah, just hold on, Aaron. We'll get there. All righty. No problem. <laughs>